Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Preview. And no, I'm not drunk. No, I'm not crazy. I realize that the Steelers don't play this week. They're on a bye. That doesn't mean we don't give you this awesome content like we're, you're used to. The content keeps coming. There's still plenty to talk about. And my co-host, Brian Anthony Davis, is here with me as always. Brian, how are you this evening? I am drunk and crazy, Jeff. <laughs> no, doing great. You know, I mean, when you come off a win in the jungle, you feel a whole lot better. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. Absolutely. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a lot to look forward to coming off the bye, and we're going to talk about all of that. But before we get into that, I do want to mention to all of our listeners, all of our viewers, make sure you're checking us out on all the different platforms. If you didn't know we're on YouTube, find us on YouTube by searching BTSC Steelers Radio. Um, find us on audio podcasts on Stitch, Google Play, Art19, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. You can type in uh, Pittsburgh Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain or BTSC, and you'll be able to find us in all of those locations. And as always, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If it's not your one-stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers news, then you might be drunk and crazy because we're giving you 10 articles a day, folks. I'm not joking. It's 10 articles a day. So you check from morning, 5.30 a.m. is when the first publish goes till probably about 4.30 p.m., that's a lot of stuff to every single day. My goodness. And I wonder why I'm crazy and I'm not drunk. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so um, real quick, Brian, let's go. Let's rewind a little bit. Uh, we normally don't talk about the game that was because we're always looking ahead to the game that's going to be. What are, you, what are your thoughts on where the Steelers go from here after winning 41-17 over Atlanta and then 28-21 in an exciting fashion against Cincinnati? Coming off the bye week, we know that they have Cleveland at home in week eight. And then they have Baltimore in M&T Bank Stadium in Week 9. What are your overall expectations for this team moving forward? Well, you know what? I feel that they turned the corner, so to speak, even with a bad corner in Artie Burns. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, you know what? I, I feel like they got through a great offense in Atlanta. And they are a great offense. That is a good offensive team. And I think the, uh, the Cincinnati offense – is a good offense as well. They got through both of those teams and with a defense that uh, did not give up 29 points a game, they gave up more like an average of more like 19 points. So they've done so much better as far as that. They're finding their footing. They know their identity at this point and they know they have the flair for the big play and uh, the flair for the drama. And, you know, good teams get lucky too. You see with the Patriots all the time where they pull out victories and the Steelers are the same way. They find ways to win. You know, when a team scores with a minute and a half left, Jeff, and they still win the game, that's good news because Ben was, you know what Ben said? His exact quote was, they left us too much time on the clock. And he went out and they engineered a great drive to win that game. So I feel they're on their way. Um, these next two games are definitely pivotal. They're playing a team in Cleveland. Then they're playing a team at Baltimore. You get through those. I'm not saying it's smooth sailing, but they're on the right track. And then they're on a roll at that point. Uh, but let's be honest. When you look at the Steelers, the number one goal, if you were to categorize the goals that a coach would probably set for his football team at the beginning of every season, number one is probably win your division. If you win your division, you're guaranteed a home playoff game. You're guaranteed a ticket into the playoffs. And so with that said, 
that should be their number one objective. Now, what's crazy about this season is that before week 10, they're going to have five out of their six division games already done. So they're one, one and one in AFC North play. They really need to be three, one and one by the time they go into week uh, 10. But the, the, the road gets much more difficult for the Steelers team after the Baltimore Ravens. Even they still have games, the New Orleans Saints. They still have the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, they still have a trip to Denver. They have a trip to Oakland, which I don't know the last time they've won in Oakland. It's been a long, long time since they've won in Oakland. They have the Patriots coming to town. They have a tough schedule in the back half. But if we know anything about Mike Tomlin's team and his teams that he's coached in Pittsburgh, they always seem to finish well, and they always seem to get up for big games. So those are two things that you know you can take those and, and weigh them however you like. But this Pittsburgh Steelers team, They've won two games that a lot of people didn't expect them to win, and now they find themselves right back in the thick of things. So let's take a look at the AFC North standings heading into Week 7. Every team in the division other than Pittsburgh will be playing on Sunday. The AFC North standings are as follows. The Cincinnati Bengals are atop the division, 4-2, and two, but right below them, tied. And the only reason they're above Baltimore is because of the head-to-head -head win. Baltimore is also 4-2. and two. Pittsburgh is right underneath them. Only a half came back at 3-2-1. and one. And then Cleveland in their cellar-dweller position at 2-3-1. and one. Okay, so let's take a look ahead. We're previewing the AFC North matchups this week. We're not going to go as in-depth as we do with the Steelers, folks. We're not going to give you key matchups and all that. We're just going to kind of break it down, give you a general consensus. And then at the end, we're going to give our predictions and think who who do we think is going to win and what does it mean for the division race? Well, where would the Steelers be sitting heading into that game against Cleveland at home? So let's start off 1 o'clock Sunday. Pit, the, the, I almost said the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cleveland Browns go down to Tampa Bay to place the reeling Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brian, what do you think about this game, AFC versus NFC? What are your thoughts? Well, I still think the Cleveland Browns are a team on the rise. Um, you know, being on the rise could be a six-win season for them. You know, they uh, we have seen them in the past start off strong, um, not the last two years, but I've seen them start off strong and falter down the stretch. So here's a team now that is finding their footing as well against a team in Tampa Bay that I don't think really knows their identity. Tampa Bay does not have a running game, but they have very good wide receivers in, of course, Evans, and you have Goodwin in there, and don't forget Deshaun Jackson. So that'll that's going to be an interesting matchup. And with Jameis Winston, he hasn't played a whole lot this year. He only has a couple of games under his belt. They've had a buy in there as well. So you're really not sure what they're going to get. But there's a lot of talent on that team. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup, Jeff, as far as Cleveland and Tampa. Yeah, for me, I look at this game and I say that it's more about Cleveland than it is Tampa Bay. Uh, Baker Mayfield got banged up a little bit in his last game and he was actually scrambling out of bounds. He kind of twisted his ankle. It impacted the way he played. Is he going to be effective? Have we seen the first six weeks take a toll on the Cleveland Browns? I mean, you think about it. They've been in two overtime games. They've tied one of those. They've been in another really close game with the Oakland Raiders. They've been in some very long, drag-out, physical games. You kind of wonder with this team, which is still very, very young, has it taken its toll? But at the same time, I'm not buying what Tampa Bay is selling. 
Uh, I saw them against Pittsburgh on in week three on Monday Night Football, and I was not impressed. I, I didn't think that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to play as well, um, and he didn't. I mean, he still got the statistics, and the Steelers kind of laid down in the second half, but I wasn't impressed with the defense. I wasn't impressed with the offense. Like you said, they're not balanced. They're very pass-heavy. This is going to be a really ugly game, in my opinion. I don't think this is going to be a game where one team runs away, run, runs away with it. But if you were to pick, Brian, uh, who do you see winning this game, Cleveland or Tampa Bay? I actually see Cleveland winning this game because if you look at Cleveland, they can very easily be a 4-2 and two team right now if they beat Pittsburgh. And I feel they got robbed in Oakland. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, Cleveland going on the road, I'm going to take Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay is in you know Tampa Bay is in the NFC South, not the best division, but they do have Carolina, they do have New Orleans that are the the front runners. They need this game, and I think Cleveland, even though they're on the ropes as well, and they're two, three, and one, I just don't see them winning. I think Baker Mayfield might come back down to earth a little bit. I'll take Tampa Bay, Cleveland to lose. That would drop Cleveland to two, four, and one, but you have them winning, which will put them at three, three, and one. In my opinion, the best game in the AFC North this weekend, and I think it's a runaway in my opinion too, is the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees going to Baltimore to play the Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium. And a little fun fact, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, Brian. If Drew Brees can go and beat the Ravens, it would be the last team that he has yet to beat in his NFL career. He has never beaten Baltimore. And so this might be a little added incentive for him because they're not going to play each other again until for another four years, probably. And because of that, who knows if Drew Brees will still be in the league. So not that that weighs into who wins and loses, but interesting storyline there. What do you think about this game here in the, uh, the free state Maryland? Well, I tell you what, I, uh, I like that stat. That's very interesting. I did not know that. So you got one up on me, Jeff. So (laughs) there you go. You know, I, uh, I think with this game, we're going to find out how good that Baltimore defense is. Because I was talking to somebody the other night, and I'm like, you know what? I feel like defense is gone in the league. It's just dead. He's like, it's not dead with the Ravens. And I'm like, ah, because they have not given up a second-half touchdown. This is the week they give up a few second-half touchdowns. Because this is a New Orleans team that is not to be denied. Alvin Kamara did not have the greatest week last week. And he's right now a fantasy god at this point. You know, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees. This is a team that could just put up points like crazy. And they're going to do it against Baltimore. Because that little Cinderella story there in Baltimore is going to strike midnight on that defense. Um, Wink Martindale. The game show is up, my friend. So <laughs> your card has just been sharked, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what, oh, tic-tac-toe. I, I got to think of something like that too. But what I'm saying is that team, we both agree that they're not as great as they think they are here in Charm City. If I don't even know what that is, but that's what they call themselves. But um, I really don't think that they're going to go ahead and keep it going. And I really like the Saints team. This defense is better, and really the offense is not amazing in Baltimore. Joe Flacco is who everybody thinks he is. We just made him look like Johnny Unitas um, in week four. 
So as far as I'm concerned, this is another road team that goes and has a big victory. Now for me, this game is tough because in my opinion, Baltimore, especially offensively is just so inconsistent. Um, you know, they put up a, they have a phenomenal showing against Pittsburgh and primetime on Sunday night football. And then they followed up with what a dud in Cleveland and they lose that football game in overtime and you just don't know what you're going to expect. The one thing we can expect is that the Ravens defense, although it may not be as good as the 11 sacks that they posted against Tennessee, that might be a little um, overreaching, we'll say. But at the same time, I think they're a good defense. They might be one of the most complete defenses from top to bottom in the National Football League. There's just something about the Saints leaving the dome that I don't like. I don't know what it is. I've watched this team. Um, I've watched them go to New York and play the Giants and the Giants defense, which is nothing to write home about, mind you, gave them fits. I know this because I had Drew Brees and handcuff Michael Thomas on Fandle that week, and they both completely crapped the bed for me. And I think it's going to be very similar. I think the Baltimore Ravens win this game. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But I think that the Ravens at home, Steeler fans should know how tough it is to play at M&T Bank Stadium. They haven't been home in a really long time. I think they win this game. It might be close. It might be a higher scoring affair than most are predicting. But I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens at home. So you have the Saints and I have the Ravens. If the Ravens win, then impressive 5-2. and two. And if they lose, obviously they drop to 4-3, and three, which would make things very, very interesting in the coming weeks. So, so far, two games, we both differed on our picks. You took Cleveland, I took Tampa Bay, you took New Orleans, and I took Baltimore. So we go into the finale. Uh, I wouldn't say save the best for last because Cincinnati and the state of Ohio, nothing there could be considered the best of anything. Um, here we have the Cincinnati Bengals going to Kansas City on Sunday night football to play Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and that high-powered offense. This thing has the making of a shootout, in my opinion, Brian, how do you see this game playing out? Let's throw in Kareem Hunt in a pretty good offensive line as well um, in Kansas City. Look, they won last weekend that was a hard because there was no defense whatsoever in that game. And they were playing the New England Patriots. That game ended, I mean, you know, 40 final score of that game. And Kansas City could score just like that. I mean, it looked like New England was about to take a huge lead and kick off return. Took it all the way. Right after that, was again, 75 yards to Kareem, excuse me, to Tyreek Hill from Mahomes. This is a rookie that has ice water in his veins. And not he's not a rookie. Um, he's a second-year player, but it's his first time really playing a full season. Water and is remarkable, and he has no fear. So I really think that they are pretty chapped up by losing that game last week, and I'm sure Cincinnati is as well. But we didn't really think Cincinnati was as great as they were at the beginning of the season, and their see their schedule was not really that tough to go ahead and start the season. So I'm really, I'm, I'm putting all of my chips in on the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. I think for me, the Kansas city chiefs are a team that 
only few teams can hang with offensively. The Patriots are obviously one of them. The Steelers are obviously one of them. You were at that game when they played the Chiefs and almost came back and won. Um, I, I think about another team that was just a high-powered offense that can move the ball at, at will. Um, you, you have a couple teams uh, that can that can do that at that pace. But Cincinnati, although I mean they have some weapons. I mean, with Joe Mixon is is turning into a really good running back. We know about AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, and in my opinion, is a budding superstar uh, at the slot. A kind of a Juju Smith Schuster esque player, maybe not as hard nosed, but that's the style of play. But then there's the Bengals on prime time, and it just never, never ends well. The Bengals in primetime typically equates in a big fat L. They just don't play well in prime and under the bright lights. I think that they're going to come out. I wouldn't be stunned if you go to bed at halftime. Don't be shocked if the Bengals are winning the game. But at the same time, there's a reason they play four quarters, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs come back and they win this game. Kansas City needs this game. They don't want a repeat of last year when they were five and zero, or maybe they were four and zero. And then there's the Steelers that gave them their first loss. And then everything just kind of went into a tailspin. They don't want to do that after being 5-0 and and then going into Foxborough and losing. So I think this is huge for them. They're going to be at Arrowhead. This is a tough place to play, especially when it's a primetime game. But I'm going to take the Chiefs. We both like the Chiefs in this matchup, which would mean that Cincinnati falls to 4-3. and So, folks, if you haven't figured it out yet, this is a big week in the AFC North because a lot can change. And then you throw in the fact with the Pittsburgh Steelers – that you have two division games right off of the bye week. Anything can happen. It's anyone's game, in my opinion. Um, how this thing f- unfolds is not going to be even decided after week nine when the Steelers play the Ravens in Baltimore. Because even though the Ravens, let's say they do sweep the Steelers, it's not over. The Ravens still have a tough schedule to play. The Steelers still have a tough schedule to play. And so it's just going to be a matter of who plays the best down the stretch. I like the Steelers in that venue. Others might like other teams, rightfully so, but there you have it. So our picks again, just in case you're and you're just joining us, Brian picked the Browns to beat Tampa Bay. I took the Buccaneers at home. Brian took the Saints on the road in Baltimore. I took the Ravens at home. And then we both like the Kansas City Chiefs at home against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday Night Football. So if you've been paying attention, I took all of the home teams um, in this in this week seven matchups for the AFC North. So let's go to some fantasy football here. Brian and I are both in a FanDuel league together and we play daily fantasy, but then there's also those out there that might be trying to get someone off a waiver wire, make a trade. You might've drafted someone. You're not sure who should I start. You're looking at the matchups this weekend. If we can stick, let's stick with the AFC North. Let's keep that theme here. Let's think of a player that if you're just like, Hey, start them. And then someone that you're going to say, sit them. Who would you pick um, for your stardom? Who's a player that you would pick that, uh, whether it's the Browns, it could be the Buccaneers, it could be any any of the teams that are playing an AFC North opponent. Who would you start this Sunday? You know what? I'm looking at that. Uh, the first game that I'm looking at is going to be Cincinnati and uh, Kansas City. And are we just looking at AFC North players here? No, no, it can be any in an AFC North matchup. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and still look at AJ Green as a wide receiver. Um, I don't really expect him 
to be shut down two weeks in a row. And I know 85 yards is a, a decent game for most most players. Um, but that's Joe Hayden shut him down pretty much um, as far as I'm concerned because we've seen him go off for 200 yards against the Steelers, two touchdowns every trip and no touchdowns. I just don't think he's going to be denied this week. So I like to put a lot of money on A.J. Green. I have him in one of my regular leagues, and I usually look his way in in FanDuel as well, Jeff. So my number one stud that I'm looking at is number 18. Okay, I like like where you're going, but I'm not going to go with A.J. Green. He's just too streaky for me. Tyler Boyd has been the consistent receiver for the Bengals so far this year, and he's been his Andy Dalton's primary red zone target. I'm not touching a Cleveland Brown or Tampa Bay Buccaneer player. I'm not touching a Baltimore Ravens or a player. The Saints going against that defense. No, if you're looking at fantasy, <clears throat> excuse me, or especially a, a daily fantasy league, you're looking at this Kansas City Cincinnati matchup. Um, I would say that you could go with Tyler Boyd. You could also go with Tyreek Hill. I think he's a safe bet. Um, maybe even Travis Kelsey, considering how the Steelers utilized the tight ends against the Cincinnati Bengals last week. Um, Tyler, uh, Travis Kelsey, and for crying out loud, I think if you take Patrick Mahomes, that's a safe bet because I think he's going to provide a lot of fantasy football points. So if I were to pick one of those, I would either go with Tyler Boyd or Tyreek Hill. But at the same time, there's a lot of options in that matchup. Now, Brian, who would you say steer clear don't touch this person with a 10-foot pole because they're not going to perform well for you. Who would you sit in week seven? You know what? Actually, um, if I'm looking at one of the big-time quarterbacks just against that defense, I'm probably going to stay away from playing many. Even though they're dynamic on offense, the Saints are, I'm probably not thinking as many points like a 35-point game from a quarterback, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it would be modest. So you're not going to get that big bang for your buck out of Drew Brees that you usually do. He's going to throw some time. I mean, they're going to score, but they're not going to score in the 30s against this team. So I would probably go with uh, Drew Brees at that point. because that Baltimore defense, like you said, is still tough. And I know I just got done saying that this is the week that they don't do it. But I see this game being more of a 2017 game than a shootout. No, I I, yeah, I, I definitely see that happening. I, I think that for me, if I'm looking at anyone to say, you know, sit, you're, you're not going to start this person or this. I'm not going to start a Baltimore Raven. I'm not going to start at any of them because like I said, they're so inconsistent. They don't have that one player. They don't have that Antonio Brown. They don't have that. Heck, they, they don't even have a, a running back. I mean, yeah, you can, uh, they, they throw in Buck Allen as sometimes in the red zone, which fantasy wise kills you. I mean, you, you think you could probably roll with one of the Ravens running backs. No, I wouldn't do it. Um, I'd steer clear from any Baltimore Ravens this Sunday not Joe Flacco. People forget that last year, the New Orleans um, Saints defense was really good. And a lot of people were, you know, wondering, you know, this defense is going to be one of the best in the NFL, and it just hasn't panned out. So, you know, with that said, 
I'm steering clear of all the Baltimore Ravens. So sit them, sit them all. They don't deserve to be played anyways. Sit them all. So you know what, Brian, it's been a good show. Uh, let's finish it up with a little, uh, you have anything to say about the Steelers or you have anything that's on your chest or you want to say to the Steeler fans out there? Um, I knew it was going to be a shorter show because the Steelers obviously aren't playing. Uh, but what are your thoughts on uh, just the NFL football? Whatever. You have the platform. Go ahead. Well, you know what? First and foremost, even though this is a bye week, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the 2018 Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't rest at all when it comes to craziness. And so I still expect something to be happening in the next week, week and a half, as far as some kind of news. Whether Antonio Brown goes furniture shopping or uh, Big Ben goes to a pumpkin patch. Something's going on. We're going to see a lot from Pittsburgh. Um, it could be a move. It could be... Uh, more Le'Veon Bell craziness because those rumors seem to always pop up when he's going to show up. Um, or there could be uh, some more trade talk. I know the Patrick Peterson stuff has been dying down with the last day with uh, Bidwell saying that he's not on the block. But you never know. when, Even when a coach says that uh, he's not on the block, that doesn't mean anything. So there's going to be all kinds of speculation all kinds of things going. Pittsburgh Steelers never rest. So that's the first thing. The second thing is something that you know, harkens back to last week against Cincinnati. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Vontez Perfect. The guy is not, in it, not going to get suspended as much as everybody is calling for it. Even Joe Thomas, the legendary, legendary Cleveland Brown, is calling for it. It's not going to happen even though I think it's a travesty that he does not get suspended, he's going to get fined, and we're going to see that. And that might uh, that might be all well and good, but the guy has a fat contract. That's not going to hurt him at all. You're still going to see the same type of nastiness going forward with a guy like Vontez. And um, that's going to uh, – I'm just hoping that by week 17, Pittsburgh does – doesn't have to play their starters because this is a kind of guy that is going for blood every single time. So I just wanted to bring up our good old friend, number 55. Well, you know, I'm glad you did because I was going to, even if you didn't. Um, and I, I was talking, we're going to run an article or I, I guess I should say we have prepped an article for um, Vontez perfect to be fine. It'll probably be released tomorrow. And uh, Simon Chester, who is a phenomenal writer for our website and kind of my number two for Indeed. the site, he um, did a lot of research and he tallied up all of Vontez Burfecht's fines that he has experienced over his career. And it is it has gone over four million dollars. He has been fined in the National Football League, um, whether you, you're counting games without pay due to suspension as well. So keep that in mind if you're thinking that number is a little inflated. To me, when I saw that number, I kept on thinking the same thing. Fines are going to do nothing. Absolutely nothing. And why? Because he's already been fined millions of dollars, and it's done nothing. The NFL preaches safety at every, every position, especially at the quarterback position. And i got to say that I think David DeCastro put it best when he said, if you're trying to protect your superstars, do you really want Antonio Brown getting a forearm shiver 
from Vontez Burford across the middle. Let's be honest, Antonio Brown is one of the most known faces and one of the most known commodities outside of the quarterback position in the National Football League. If the NFL were really serious about player safety, they would only have to watch a few of these games to know that number 55 is the catalyst. Go back a few years when he missed the first game at Heinz Field due to suspension and watch that game. It was physical. It was hard-hitting. It was not dirty. It was not malicious. And there was no intent to injure. That right there is Vontez Burfecht's calling card. Malicious, dirty, and an intent to injure. For me, if the NFL wants to make a statement, Vontez Burfecht should be suspended for the rest of the season. Not banned for life. Not given the Josh Gordon treatment. He should be kicked out for the rest of the season. And if they make the playoffs, he's not able to participate. That's sending a message. Taking money from Vontez Burfecht means nothing. Why? Because it's already been proven that it means nothing to him. He's out for blood. He is out to injure. And if you don't think that, and the, here's what gets me the most, is that the NFL cannot think about this as just a week six thing. I saw on Twitter someone had Vontez Burfecht's, uh, I guess you could call it, greatest hits. This was not; These hits were not just against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have to go back to when he tried to twist Cam Newton's ankle on the bottom of a pile, when he decleated Max Williams of the Baltimore Ravens for no reason when he wasn't even around the ball. This guy has a screw loose, and I don't use that term lightly because mental illness is nothing to make fun of. He, when he gets on the football field, there's a switch that goes off, and he's uncontrollable. It speaks volumes about Marvin Lewis. It speaks volumes about the, the Cincinnati Bengals organization to give him a new contract, to have him as a captain last season. That speaks volumes. But if the NFL is really serious about player safety, you don't let Vontez Burke play anymore. Not this season. And if he comes back next year and hasn't changed, he's done. You take it away from him because he can't control himself. So that's just my two cents on the topic. Vontez Perfect is someone that Steeler fans are very passionate about. They, they can't stand him. And so, Brian, I have a question for you. And for those that are watching um, or watching us live on YouTube, I have the live chat up. We have some questions here. We'll get to those in a second. I want you to think, in your lifetime, and Brian, you're older than I am, in your lifetime, can you, Thanks, you're welcome. Can you think of a player on any team in any sport that has this type of reputation at all? I mean, I'm, I'm talking, like I said, malicious, dirty, and intent to injure. Can you think of anyone? You know what? I, you know, I came in on the tail end of the Oakland Raiders, Pittsburgh Steelers, um, criminal element rivalry back in the late seventies uh, with Atkinson, George Atkinson and Jack Tatum. But I don't even think though. I think those guys were more hard hitting players than dirty. Um, Jeff, I don't even think that you could mention a guy from a fictional football movie or a fictional sports movie that is as dirty and just malicious as Vontez perfect. Um, intimidation factor is one thing with the Jack Lamberts and the Lawrence Taylors and, uh, the Butkuses back in the day, those guys, they come on the field. You'd be intimidated by that. 
but you didn't expect them to go ahead and just do something in spite, especially if you made him look bad, like the Steelers have made made him look bad over the years. Because um, yesterday, I mean, last week, pointing at Juju, that was a revenge hit. He's still mad because he still thinks that Antonio Brown flopped on him a couple years ago. And that entire uh, wild card game, um, he's still alleging that. Um, he thinks that Antonio Brown faked that. So he has a thing for him as well. Um, I have not really thought of anybody that comes close to this guy. He is the, if Chuck Noll were alive today, he'd forget everything he said about Atkinson and Tatum being the criminal element. And this guy would be public enemy number one, two, and three. Yeah, you're, you're right. And I, the only thing, and I said this, um, this is a current player in another sport, and that's Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals. Um, another sure. player that I don't think he is as dirty as perfect is, but he clearly knows the rules, knows what the NHL does and does not allow, and he skirts those rules as much as possible. Um, and so I don't want to get too much into hockey, but um, ultimately uh, I, I just think that that's probably the closest comparison I could find. And we do have some questions here. We'll finish up with some rapid fire, Brian. Um, we have uh, a lot of different questions about a lot of different Steelers topics. And so we'll go ahead and we'll fire away. We'll both answer them and then we'll move on. You ready? Yes. Do you think the Steelers will come out a little rusty after the bye week? No. Okay. I, I, I don't, I don't either. Do you, do you believe this isn't a question? This is me. Do you believe that the bye week came at a, at a bad time because you think about the momentum that was being built? Do you think that breaks that up at all? You know what? I wish it would be a couple weeks later where guys are a little more beat up because they are not needing the rest as much as they would in a couple weeks. And because of momentum, you want to keep that going, but uh, you know, not to go into another sport. But a lot of people were worried at the All-Star break that the Pirates that had the momentum with that winning streak, that five, six-game winning streak, that after the All-Star break came, they'd be dead in the water, and they reeled off a bunch more. Um, so, And I know that's baseball, but I think this team has turned that corner with mentality as well, so I don't think they'll be rusty. Okay, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think it should be a problem. Cleveland would be a, is going to be a good opponent for them coming off the bye don't think that the Steelers aren't going to be embarrassed that they tied the Browns in week one. They're going to be motivated. Um, they're not going to overlook them, I don't think, not anymore. So that's a good question there. Who do you think, next question, who's doing better at nose tackle, in your opinion, Javon Hargrave or Daniel McCullers? I think Hargrave. I really, I think he's an unsung hero. He does a lot of the dirty work that you just don't even, that doesn't hit the stat sheet. He had the sack last week. Um, and let me say the uh, very classy real in sack dance. I kind of like that. It was understated, but I, I, I liked it. I, I think he's, he's quietly having a decent season. Yeah. I, I've, in my opinion, they're they're using them both in unique ways. Uh, Javon Hargrave is more of that knifing defensive lineman that can get in to the uh, interior and really push the pocket. But Daniel McCullers is going to take up blockers and allow the linebackers to flow. Um, they're using them both, but in week six against the Cincinnati Bengals, and they do have a running game with Joe Mixon, <clears throat> it was Hargrave that played the majority of the snaps when they had a nose tackle on the, on the field. So is that a sign of things to come? 
I don't know. Only time will tell. But I think that Javon Hargrave is the future, and he is the man at that position. It's just does the defense scheme properly. All right, last question here. Should the Steelers look to make any trades to upgrade in the next couple of weeks? The trade deadline is the 30th of October, so that's coming up quick. Do you think they should pull the trigger on any trades? Yes, they should, and it should not be a Le'Veon Bell trade because that's just not going to happen. Um, there are rumors that he is not reporting until after the trade deadline as well. Um, because of that, not wanting to be traded to a team where he can't control anything. But I really think they need to look at a cornerback. Um, look, Patrick Peterson's probably not going to happen. If that guy was made available, Jeff, I even go as far as giving up a one and a three in 2019. If you look at something like that for a superstar corner, it's well worth it. If you look at 2018, their number one was Terrell Edmonds, and their number three was Chooks Awuma. And I'm I'm just talking, I'm not talking about Mason Rudolph because that was the Raiders pick. So I'm talking their pure picks of where they picked. Those are the guys you got. If you were to get a number one corner or even a CB2 for those two guys, you're going to pull the trigger each and every day. We don't know what we're going to get out of draft picks, but this is a window that you want to hit now. Make a trade for you're, the Philly's not going to be looking to trade Ronald Darby, but guys like that, maybe a true cornerback two on that side that could spell Artie Burns because look, even though they're dedicated to go ahead and work with Artie Burns, he's not working out. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't think they make a trade unless there's an injury. Um, let's say Joe Hayden goes down. Then I think they might be making a trade because they're going to need a cornerback because then you're looking at a cornerback depth chart of Cody Sensabaugh, Artie Burns, Mike Hilton, and Cameron Sutton. And although some people are high on a guy like Sutton, I'm not sure if he's ready to start yet. So um, I think unless there's an injury, I don't think they make a trade. I think they like their team. I think that they are going to sit pat on Le'Veon Bell, which is another question that um, I skipped over on accident. That wasn't intentional. I don't think they trade him. They can't trade him right now unless it's one of those wink, wink, sign and trade deals. It just, the logistics just don't pan out for me, really. Um, I just don't understand how it would work and, and how the, a team that is getting him, when is he going to report? Uh, how much are they going to pay him? There's just so many variables in that situation. Um, I, yeah, I just, it's really difficult to try to imagine a situation where they could trade Le'Veon Bell. Okay. So we have another question. Uh, it's about Marcus Allen, the safety, the rookie out of Penn state. Um, will Marcus Allen start is the question, Brian, go ahead. I think the Heisman Trophy winner from 1981, Marcus Allen, has a better chance of starting for the Steelers right now than this version of Marcus Allen. Um, he was pretty much invisible until the last preseason game with the Steelers. Um, maybe had some action against Tennessee, but really not much out of him. I really don't think that you're going to see much action from him unless there's another injury. But here's the thing where I read today and I believe was it Simon who, uh, who uh, put an article out about uh, Marcus Al, excuse me, not Marcus Allen, Mor Morgan Burnett. Yes. I'm yeah. not starting for a while, not being available for the Steelers for a while. So 
if he goes into a situation where you need to go ahead and put another guy on the roster, you never know what's going to happen. I just don't think we're going to see much of number 27 right now. No, and I, I said this on our show yesterday. Uh, someone else had a question about Marcus Allen. I think it's basically a redshirt year for him. Um, if he plays at all, it'll be special teams. I don't think starting is an option. Uh, someone else asked, um, what are our thoughts on the AFC as a conference down the road? You know what? I think the NFC is a lot more balanced for the first time in a few years. Um, it's not going to be like the 80s and 90s when you reel off 14, 15, 16 straight Super Bowl wins like they did. Um, but I think the true talent um, is the Los Angeles Rams. You throw in teams like New Orleans, teams like Minnesota. Um, what I saw of uh, Green Bay, they're inconsistent. Chicago can play, but those guys right now are – that's a much stronger situation over the NFC. Now, the conference, the American Football Conference, you have two, two teams right now that are head and shoulders above the rest. It's New England. It's Kansas City. Then you have some – guys that are uh, inconsistent as as far as uh, putting together a bunch of wins. So right now I think uh, the AFC, the American Football Conference will be fine in the future, but for 2018, it is the junior conference once again. Yeah, I think for me, the AFC is kind of top heavy. Like you said, they have the Patriots, the Chiefs, and you get into teams like the Chargers and the Steelers and the Jaguars and um, yeah, a couple other teams that could, are, could be considered contenders. Uh, but then there's just a ton of bottom feeders that really don't stand a chance. And we're talking about teams like the Jets and the Broncos, even though they're winning right now. And, and just teams that just, you can just tell they don't, don't have it. They don't, it's just difficult. It's just difficult. So I think it's very top heavy. The Steelers have a chance. The Steelers have a chance. Uh, if you're wondering if that's the ultimate question here, do they have a chance of competing in the AFC? Absolutely. Because Jeff, often... if I may. Go ahead. If I may, right now they are the eighth ranked team in the division, and that could that excuse me, in the conference, and that could change in a hurry. So if you go ahead and look at the uh, article that we're going to be printing in the next couple of days, who to root for this weekend, um, when the Steelers aren't playing, we have the we have the conference marked out from one all the way to 16 and right ahead of them are the Miami dolphins. And that's just because of conference record. But when the Steelers start reeling together a couple of wins, especially if it's in the next two weeks of their season, then they could, they could conceivably be the number three seed just like that. So um, a couple more weeks, they could be in the top half of the playoff race. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, those that are watching live, I thank you for the questions on YouTube. We appreciate that. The fan interaction is always great there in that little chat room. Uh, Brian, as always, I thank you for your time. Remember, folks, this weekend, even after the games on Sunday, not the Sunday night game, but after the daytime games, I at least will be on for a Steelers post game where I wrap up what's happened, talk about what's coming up. Uh, the Steelers will have their first practice after the bye week on Monday. And then Tuesday will be the press conference. And then it's a regular week as they prefer for the Cleveland Browns. And next week will be a regular week for us as well. Um, 
The Steelers hangover will be back, but more again, tailored towards what's looking ahead. And then we'll be back with the standard is a standard. If you've missed the standard is a standard this past week, make sure you go back and check that out. Myself, co-host Lance Williams, we had a special guest, Christopher Carter from DKPittsburghSports.com, who's in the locker room with the players, is on to talk about the Steelers, his thoughts, what he thinks has changed about the team. Great interview, great stuff. Make sure you check that out. But always subscribe to all of our stuff all across the board. We thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.